This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Valentine. Well, today is, you see our setup over here in the corner, it's Baptism Sunday. Uh, As we've just wrapped up the Gospel of Mark, I hope as we wrapped up the Gospel of Mark and went through the Easter season, you were challenged as we walked through the life of Jesus together this past year, finishing last Sunday with the life-changing. Well, actually, it was everything changing was our theme, reality of the resurrection. This changes everything. Uh, And this morning's a picture of that. This morning's a picture of the transformation, the change that happens in a life because of the resurrection, because of. You remember we asked the question a couple times throughout the series, how will you be changed? How will you be different after finishing the Gospel of Mark? How will you be transformed and be a different person from before when we began to after we began? I hope as we finish that there are, as you look at your life a year later or so, real, tangible ways that you can think of how God has changed you personally through the Gospel of Mark. Well, this morning on Baptism Sunday, I want to ask ourselves the same question. How will you be different today, having seen and heard again profession of faith? Profession of faith in Jesus Christ and watching someone publicly profess their baptism. Today we have two candidates that we have coming up in a little while. Adrian Montez and Brian Swartzmiller are going to be baptized today. As you watch them, will you be encouraged to think of your own baptism? So, that's why we do this together as a family, not somewhere just a pastor and and a person or a family and a person. We do it together as a body, the family of God, to remember our own baptism if you've been baptized. Or as you watch today, will you be challenged to maybe, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to take that step of obedience the very first time as he calls everyone who follows him to be baptized? Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've placed your trust in Christ but haven't been baptized yet. And you'll be challenged today to step up the next time we do it. Well, next week we'll begin a new series called Life Together. But today we're doing a quick run through, a quick look at one of the most amazing texts, I think, in all the Bible. Because, uh, pre- preachers say that every week, right? You're like, yeah, whatever. They say that every week. 
but this one I think really is. As it relates to baptism, as it relates to salvation, as it relates to being born again, you know, baptism is a great time of celebration. That's why we do it together. A great time of rejoicing. Not just in the life of an individual, but in the life of a congregation. As I said, it causes us to remember the reality of our own baptism. So this morning we look at a passage that shows us that salvation comes to the individual through spiritual death to life. Death to life. And we're going to see how baptism is a beautiful picture of that transformation. We're going to answer four quick questions this morning. Questions of salvation. Questions regarding death to life, this theme. Because that's what baptism is all about. That is what baptism pictures and celebrates. Death to life in the gospel, in Jesus Christ. And that's what Ephesians 2 teaches. We're going to take a look quickly. You've got your Bible open to Ephesians 2. Hopefully your outline as well. This text talks about being saved. And maybe you're here as a visitor today, maybe a friend of somebody getting baptized even, or a family member or a guest with us, and you've heard Christians talk about being saved. They always talk about being saved. Well, this text explains that to us this morning. In this text, Paul tells us, we'll see, the what, the who, the how, the for, all to, about salvation, being saved. The what, the who, the how, and the for. So let's take a look at these four questions. Here's the first one. What do we need to be saved from? There's the what. What do we need to be saved from? Paul describes what we need to be saved from in verses 1 through 4. Take a look with me again at those. And you were, verse 1, dead. Dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that's now working the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, We all once lived the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The Bible teaches that this is our true spiritual condition apart from God. We are spiritually dead. In fact, that's how every single human being enters earth. Spiritually dead. Dead, not just mostly dead, if you know the movie, <laughs> or partly dead, or halfway dead, but truly spiritually dead. Unable to understand spiritual things. Unable to desire and love the truth of God and God Himself. This passage says, You were dead in trespasses and sins. We followed the course of this world, living in disobedience to the law of God, really living to our, according to our desires, really just means doing whatever we want, not really having a care, just kind of going where life takes us according to where our heart pilots us. Look at the last line. We're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. What does that mean? What in the world does that mean? It's heavy, it's difficult. But it means that every human being comes into this world as they were given a sinful nature and then actually become a sinner by the time they're even a toddler, right? (laughs) Every human being stands under God's judgment. 
It's just how we begin life as spiritually dead creatures. And not only stands under, but deserving of. Because we all do sin. Because we all do things we know we shouldn't. Because you know deep down in your heart there's a brokenness, a shame, and a guilt that you just feel, and you know it's not right, and you know it shouldn't be there. But we all deserve that. God's just, if he's truly holy, wrath that he has to have, or he wouldn't be holy, towards sin. All sins are sins against, truly, first and foremost, against this God. You are a creature, remember. We didn't create ourselves. The soul and body you have truly are not even your own. They're given to you by God. And so we're accountable to that God. We're not self-existent. We're creatures, even down to the very breath you just took. It's a creaturely gift. All sins are against him because of that creatureliness, and we're all in this together. Everybody in this room. Nobody, that's the level, it's the levels the playing field. The truth of being born as a human. We're all in this together. Which is why we're in this room, isn't it? Which is why we're here. We're in this together. Not only being born into our sinful nature, but living this life of faith. This spiritual condition of humankind that the Apostle Paul explains means we all need to be saved. So, What do we need to be saved from? Let's simply say it this way. Spiritual deadness and the just wrath of God. That's what Paul lays out at the very beginning of this passage. What do you need to be saved from? That spiritual deadness that you're born with and the just wrath of God you're deserving, that I'm deserving. That's bad news. There's also some fabulous, breathtaking, wonderful, marvelous, good news. Justice is required. That's kind of the bad news. But if you think about it, it's not that strange. People say, I can't imagine a God who would punish or a just God or a God who would hold me accountable. But I mean, think about life. Every time wrong is done, justice is required on a human level. We have courts, don't we? We have judges. We understand that it's right for someone to pay for something wrong they've done. And we'll never get close, approximate justice. Why would it be different with God if he's truly holy? When wrong is done, a loving God holds people accountable. A loving God, an unloving God would say, you know what? I made them, but I could care less what they do. I could care less. That's the opposite of love. You know it as a parent, as a grandparent. You know it. But there's fabulous good news. Who are we saved by? Take a look at Ephesians 2.4. It's our next one. Ephesians 2.4. Two of the most important words in all the Bible, other than in the beginning, God, is these two, are these two. But... What? Say it with me. But God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when you were dead. You hear the theme there this morning, death to life, death to life, or death, but God, Paul writes, being rich in mercy because of that love he's got for his creation. For you, real love for you, sent his son to pay the price for our sins. So we just celebrated at Easter. The just wrath of God poured out on him. We're rehearsing that Easter story this morning. So that's what happens when he died on the cross. The wrath of God towards sin, God's judgment was poured out on him. Do you remember from our Good Friday service? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment... 
he was paying what we should have. But then we know, last, we just celebrated last Sunday, God raised him up, didn't he? Raised him up from the dead to demonstrate that your death, your spiritual death, the sin that comes with it has been defeated, done away with, gone. When we trust Jesus, which we'll hear our two candidates talk about this morning, it's because God has taken a dead sinner and he makes that person, look at verse 5, alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. I love how Martin Luther put it. We've used this quote before, but I love it. When we come to life, it's like we're putting on Christ. As he makes us come to life, the putting on Christ according to the gospel consists not in imitation, but in a new birth. There it is, death to life. A new creation. That is to say, in putting on Christ himself. Christ's innocence, Christ's righteousness, Christ's wisdom, Christ's power, Christ's saving health, Christ's life, and Christ's spirit. All Christ. We put them on as we're brought spiritual life. That's not all. Look at verse 6. And God raises us up with him and seats us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's talking about forever. Forever now. That's such a hard thing for us as creatures. Everything you know in your life had a starting point, didn't it? Down to the coffee maker, you got coffee out this morning. Everything. The car you drive, the chair you're sitting on. And you too. You had a starting point. A date of existence that started, didn't you? And yet now Paul is talking about forever. It's so hard for our minds to wrap around forever. Think about that. It's hard to extend past tomorrow sometimes in my planning, in your life. Do you feel that? Go forever. And then add a little more. Oh, and then add another three forevers onto that. You kind of get the picture. It's forever. Paul's talking about this, saying that God has these storehouses of kindness. And they're so vast they can't be measured. And forever and forever and forever and forever he aims to shower upon you goodness and kindness and love from these vast, massive storehouses of goodness. He's going to pour on your life forever. Baptism is this picture of explaining that death to life and coming in to God's storehouses of goodness with that union with Jesus when we trust him. That's, what we, that's why we dunk people under. That's why we immerse them, the word. It's a picture. As Christ died, as Christ was buried, so we dip and dunk someone under. As Christ went into the grave, that the picture of going under the water is like the grave. And Christ rose from the dead, right? And so we raise the person back up from the water as a visual picture. It's a visual storytelling moment of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you tell me, who are we saved by? Who does this thing from start to finish? Who brings us from death to life? Who? Let me hear you. God. Yeah, God. We're saved. Who are we saved by? God. That's who we're saved by. From beginning to end, from start to finish, Luke 15 tells this amazing uh, parable. There's a few in there. You know probably the prodigal son. But there's one in there too about this lost coin. You ever think about that one? 
The lost coin that this widow lost, and it's so valuable to her. She had this coin, she lost it, and uh, the story tells us, Jesus tells us that she lights a lamp to find it. It's this valuable coin, I've got to get it, I've got to find it. Where did it go? Usually it's the remote, but this is a coin. The coin, where is it? I've got to find it. She lights the light. She, she goes, she turns her house upside down all over just to find this lost coin. I'm the lost coin. You're the lost coin. So lost that the coin doesn't even, does the coin know it's lost? No. Does the coin do anything to, to make itself be found? It's a lost coin. She goes and finds it. From beginning to end, Paul wants us to see today that salvation from start to finish is God finding us. He wants us to make sure we've got it. He wants us to make sure we understand how this thing works. He wants us to know the how we're saved, who we're saved by God. But here's the how we are saved. That's what he drives home in verses 8 through 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. So how are we saved? By grace. God using grace, by grace. I don't think it would be any clearer in the text. How are we saved? By grace. But that begs the question, what's grace? What is grace? It's God's undeserved favor. God's undeserved favor. Uh, what's, I think I heard the, is a, the acronym God's Reward at Christ's Expense, I think is an acronym I've heard before kind of makes it as simple as possible. Well, how do we get God's grace? How do you get God's grace? Paul's making a really clear argument here. We don't earn it through works. We don't do good works so that therefore God will say, well, you finally have reached where I've wanted you to reach. You finally have made it. Now I will open the storehouses of my blessing upon you. That's the way the world works. That's the way every other religion in the world works. But not Christianity. We could never earn it. Even our best works couldn't come close. We receive it by faith. You receive a free gift by faith. And all this, from start to finish, is a gift. God's salvation, God's grace, even the faith to believe, I think this text says, is not of yourselves. Even the faith to believe It says, this is not of yourself. It's given to you by God from start to finish. It's all a gift so that no one can boast. What do you have to brag about? What do you have that you did not receive, Scripture says? So that no one can boast. So that he will receive the glory. That Christ will be honored. So we can't say, I did it. I did it. I figured it out. I found it. Why can't you get it? Why can't you get it? I got it. We can't say that. God did it. He found us. He found you if you're a follower today. We can never say, I earned your favor. I climbed this ladder. I chose you. I came to you. He came to you. He grabbed you like the lost coin. That's grace. Undeserved favor from start to finish. It's grace. No one will ever say, I did it. We will look and say, you did it. You did it for me, God. You loved me, God. 
song says, grace greater than our sin. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that's greater than all our sin. That's what it's about. That's how he does it. I hope that fills you with gratitude this morning. On the heels of Easter. What we need to be saved from, who we're saved by, how we're saved, but that's not even all the verse tell the passage tells us one more thing. What are we saved for? It's the last thing. What are we saved for? We've had this slide pop up over um, the course of the last couple of years. You've probably seen it. What's our salvation for? Have you ever thought about that? Is it just a ticket to heaven? Is it just some fire insurance that some people describe it? Is that all it is? Your salvation? What have you been saved unto? What are you saved for? There's got to be a reason, right? God saved you for something. Well, I, I think we've already seen one thing in verse 7. Let's look at it again. We're saved for it. He says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches in the coming ages of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. We can say it this way. What are we saved for? Eternity. The coming ages. You're saved to now live on into forever, even after you die. Eternity. God saved us for himself, and he's going to pour out those storehouses of grace and kindness upon you forever. For all eternity. Forever. But verse 10 tells us what God has saved us for between now and eternity. Take a look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we, you and I, should walk in them. So we're not saved by good works, but you could say part of what we're saved for is to live unto and into for good works. That's what Paul says. Verses 8 and 9 make that clear. We're saved for good works. So we're saved for two things, for eternity and to now live into a life of, as a disciple for good works that honor our Heavenly Father. We're his workmanship. We're his, his, his handcrafted uh, masterpieces. His stamp is upon you. You've been made in his image, created in Jesus to shine for Jesus, to live for him, to point to him, to glorify him, all of those things. It's a whole reason for existence, actually. Ephesians 2, it's this, and then we're just doing a really quick flyover today. It's this breathtaking passage, isn't it? Where God just unpacks and summarizes salvation for us. We can summarize in a simple statement that helps. I, I love this statement. It helps me. It's how I remember Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. We are saved from God, by God, for God. Have you heard that phrase before? From God, by God, for God. God. It's the picture of the gospel in a simple terms. It's a picture of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And baptism is the command, is a good work of obedience that God has prepared beforehand for those who've trusted him to live into from God, by God, and now today, as our candidates do, for God, for God. It's a picture of the gospel. What we're doing today is a picture of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. In just a moment, I'm going to call up our first uh, candidate, Adrian. But I want us to th- you to think about that today. As we prepare, as we get ready, that 
the gospel is laid out in this passage so well that we say, by God, from God, for God. And what we do in that tank is a picture of that reality, an eternal reality that's already taken place in these uh, two men's hearts that you'll hear about today. So let's call up our first candidate. Ready? Come on up, Adrian. Let's welcome him. Make him feel welcome up here. I think it's on. I told him. It's on. There you go. 